Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to the Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find Jesus and follow him. anything else you guys do on Thanksgiving Day? What did you do? Play games? Board games? Outdoor games? Right? We had a couple of those. What's something else? Some people like to play games. What? Are, what's something else you guys do? Huh? Clean. Yeah. All right. That's that's a, you know, it's a given, right? You got to do that. And so, huh? Jimmy, what are you going to say? Right? So maybe it's a spiritual component. Maybe you have a little time of reflection. All right. Football, anybody watch games, usually maybe some TV, movies. Macy's Day, are you guys a Macy's Day parade people? Karen, you're on your own. All right, so <laughs> and so those are easy, right? And so well, there's a lot of things, right? There's things that we do, things that we eat, participate in. Um, but there's one, there's, there's a, a one that is now, it's not now, but it tends to be an uh, unspoken national tradition on Thanksgiving Day. It's to talk about something controversial at one point or another, or to avoid it, right? That's the game. Some people just want to avoid the, you know, hey, we're not talking about politics, and, and you know the one person that's like, can't wait for the opportunity to bring it up, right? I did it. I don't know if you, how it went there. Maybe I'm, I mean, we just had a good moment. Now some, I may be triggering some of y'all now, like reminding you of that. And so, but I know sometimes, right, Thanksgiving, when you bring family together and bring a bunch of people together, that tends to be, um, it could be a crazy wild card. Is it, who's going to be, where's the controversy going to come today? Is someone going to do something? Is someone going to say something? I was like, and so that is a big deal. I know. I mean, I'll tell you right now, we couldn't avoid it at our family dinner. I mean, we had just finished praying. And within seconds, a debate already just launched on into the dinner table. And I mean, seconds between my, my kids and their cousins. And the debate was, do you print, is the word pronounced crayon or crayon? They literally went on it and then both sides making their points on like, no, it is pronounced crayon. I was like, no, it is pronounced crayon. And back and forth, literally, it means amen. That's what it went to, man. That was the controversial debate, that the controversy that happened on that day. But so today, if you avoided any controversy, on Thanksgiving, on controversial, uh, controversial conversations, well, today you're not, all right? And so, because we're going to focus on one of the most debated and controversial sections and words that Jesus ever said, and it has to do with the end times. It has to do, because we've been talking about prayer all year as well. And there was three times when I was looking at every time Jesus said, pray for this or pray for that. You know, I, I'm trying to wrap up our series on prayer, and I wanted to look at Jesus uh, and we've talked about a lot where Jesus said, don't pray like this and pray like this. And then I started noticing he said, pray for specific things like pray for your, the en- your enemies, right? People who, who don't believe, people who hate you, mistreat you. You pray for them, you bless them. And last week we talked about how you need to pray to help me remember what we said. And so, wow, I'm forgetting. So, you know, pray for the lost and pray for one another, right? And there's so many other things as well. And so now here we are. And I found these weird things that Jesus said, pray for this, pray for that. And it was all in relation to the end times. And I thought that was very interesting because 
you know, where he was praying in light of what that is. And so we're going to talk about some stuff, guys. Today, I'm not going to answer all your questions. I don't got time for that. But so I'm going to, I might leave you with more questions and answers, which is good because now you got to go figure that out. But we're going to read a section that is a version of, it's called the Olivet Discourse, okay? Uh, this was a discussion that Jesus had on the Mount of Olives, which is right outside of the temple in Jerusalem. And so this one's a big deal. Matthew 24 and 25, I'm not reading that one today, but Matthew has the version of this. Mark has a version of this. Matthew's is the longest. Matthew 24 and 25 is the whole Olivet Discourse. And there's things in there that you've probably heard, parables. In fact, Jesus ends this conversation, well, he begins talking about it very interestingly. He kicks off with this debate or this uh, discussion over a woman. We talked about offering a minute ago. And this woman, she's a widow. She has no one and nothing, destitute. And Jesus begins to have this conversation, very controversial things he's saying, talking about the scribes and the religious leaders and calling them out. I mean, literally putting them on blast and saying, these people, and he would say things like this all the time, that they are, they not, they refuse to enter the door of salvation. But not only do they refuse to enter the door, but they bar the door to keep anyone else from coming in. These were these religious people that they had become, and they had been so uh, corrupted. And the things that Christ and God had shown the Jewish people for generations were meant to point to Jesus. And so here these guys are trying to outdo Jesus, and he gets into this debate and calls them out and says, these scribes are devouring widows' estates. They devour widows' estates. And then, immediately after making that claim, Jesus takes his apostles over inside the courtyard, sits down on the stands. He's like, all right, come on, get comfortable. Sit here, sit here, sit down. Watch this. Look, 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 look. You see? And there, Jesus is watching all these people bring in their offerings. And a lot of them, religious leaders, bring in their offerings. And there were huge offerings. And, and they, would, they would take a lot of the money and they would fling it against the offering horns. Because the, if you would, uh, the way you would throw the coins, it would ring inside. And the harder you would throw it, the louder it would make. And it would be louder praise to God. But it was really a flex on how much you were giving that day. Okay? And, and Jesus is saying, you see these guys? You see this? See this? Okay. Okay, now, now watch. Look, look over there. Look, no, no, look over here. Because everyone was looking at where the show was. And then, unbeknownst, undercover, under the radar, here comes a poor little widow. No one notices it but Jesus. Jesus highlights it to the apostles. She gives two mites, two coins, the cheapest, the lowest, the littlest. Um, you know, maybe us would be pennies. She throws the last two, and Jesus said, the, the scripture says, it was the last two she had. All she had to live on. She gave it walked away. And now there's been a debate on even that one. And I was like, well, so here, you, all this noise, she made no noise, and yet Christ saw them both. And then in this moment, Jesus does not say to the apostles, hey, he did say, they gave out of a little. Even though they gave a lot, they gave just scraps. And she gave out of much. She gave out of her poverty. She gave it all. Jesus never says, go and do likewise. Jesus never says, I want you to live like that so sacrificially and just give it all to me. Instead, he says, I'm about to tear this whole place down. 
That was Jesus' statement. I'm about to tear this whole place down. Now, obviously, her faith is a great, she had great faith because she believed and she gave all of her money. Why? Because when you were a widow and you had nothing and no one, the scribes had a good idea. Hey, and the temple, God instituted the temple and the priest to be able to say, hey, listen, we'll be a family for you that has no family. So you give us all of your money and we'll manage it for you. We'll take care of you. We'll feed you. We'll house you. We'll do all these things. But what did Jesus describe, describes as? Devourers of widows' estates. I wonder if the big offerings that these people were giving on one side was coming from not their bank account, but hers. And they were doing it in the name of God, to glorify God. And here this person is giving her all to a system and to someone who said, trust me, God said, trust me. And so her faith can be commended, but it was manipulated. Christ said, I'm about to tear this whole thing down. And so then, then that's where the Olivet Discourse begins about the end times. And Jesus begins to talk about, say, listen, there's going to be, he talks about the great tribulation, things that are going to happen prior to. And guys, listen, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, have fun with that. Because, I mean, there's literally every which way, and very smart Christians that can tell you, no, see, the scripture says that Jesus will return at this time, or at that time, or this. Or the, no, see, the great tribulation, which is going to be the worst time in the world, that when God's wrath will be poured on, some say there's going to be a pre-trib. Like, no, God will scoop up the church right before. No, he'll scoop it up right in the middle. No, he's going to scoop us up at the end. Literally, I have some guys that, that I love and, and I know, and they love Jesus, and they're all over the place on this. And so he's talking about this, and then it can be very confusing. Um, talks about false messiahs that we need to be careful for. He says, oh, if, if Jesus is there, if God is there, you got to be careful. Don't listen to them. Uh, wars and conflicts and continual, um, <clears throat> you know, Things like that just getting worse. Natural disasters. And you and I, we can probably check, check, check. I'm like, all right. Before I was stressed out about Christmas. Now I'm stressed out about Jesus is going to show up. All right. And so maybe, which is not a bad thing. I ain't going to lie. But hold on. The thing is, is that every generation since that time could have checked those boxes off too. And so that's kind of a little bit of controversy on why Jesus was taking so long. I and mean, hey, he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. But then he gives these four parables. Some of you, if you've read the Bible, you've read them before. And they all are in relation to the end times. So many, we've probably read the parables separate, but one is about the ten virgins. Some of them have oil. Some of them don't. They all fall asleep. The announcement is awake. The announcement, they're woken up, I'm sorry, from the father. And the wedding is coming. Those with oil got in. Those without did not. Guys, that has nothing to, the only thing that that parable had to do is there's people waiting for Christ to return because they were all waiting for the announcement of going into the wedding feast. Ten had oil or, you know, some had oil, some had not. And that oil was meaning of salvation. Some were saved, some were not. And the only ones allowed in were those who were saved and those who were waiting for Christ yet were empty inside. Could not. And then Jesus gives another parable about the talent. Some of us are very familiar with this one, where God gives money to different people. Three different people, two of them, take it, they work it, they invest, and they make, you know, they make something for the master. And he, they, he provides a, hey, we're back. You know, the master comes back and says, look, sir, look what we've done for you. And he says, well done, good and faithful. I will put you in charge of much. And then the third, he hid the money off to the side and said, I didn't do anything. Why? I was afraid because I know you're a bad man. I know you're a harsh person. And, and so I was scared. And so, and he was like, you fool, if you were scared of me, you would at least put it to work and, you know, in the bank to get interest. And so that person was lying. 
That person was not afraid. See, the people back then, guys, see, if, if you would take this money and bury it, and let's say something happened to this master, you can go off and it's like, hey, I was digging in a hole in my backyard. Look what I found. It's mine. This was a selfish person, someone who also did not know the master. And that person would be taken. That person would not be saved. The other two would. Again, showing the symbol of your heart. Do you know this God? And then there's another one. You ready for this one? This one might flip you all up because I always read this one funny. Jesus says, two will be here. One will be taken. The other left. And two will be here. One will be taken. The other left. Two will be here. One will be taken. And the other one left. Now, you think of the rapture at that. Some of us may think of the rapture at that moment. Who's the one being taken and who's the one being left? If you think about it. If you've ever, if you've, I, I used to for a long time thought, well, I, I think it's the Christian. The Christian is taken and the other one is left. But then there was a part that says when Jesus says, in just as in the time of Noah, when everyone's living their life and stuff like this, if you know the time of Noah, big ark, a lot of animals, right? Which is, uh, uh, this comedian made a really interesting observation. It was like, why do we, why do we put the ark on like the nurseries of, of our, on their children's wings? Like, if you think about that story, it's so all the animals are smiling, all the animals are laughing, and they're all on this big boat. You know, we, 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 we omit all those drowning around, you know, all those that have been, you know, judged for their sin. I was like, that's a little bit weird if you really think about it. But who was taken and who was left in the time of Noah? Noah was left and his family. Who was taken? Sinners. And so Jesus says two will be here. So this is separation. And like the sinner will be taken. The believer will be left. And then he gives all of these different things. And again, it, it's, it kind of gets really heavy. Um, and so I chose to, instead of going through Matthew 24 and 25, we're going to go into Luke because Luke gets a different version. Because Matthews and Marks are written for Jews. Right? The, the, main, the main audience when Matthew wrote his gospel and Mark were for the Jewish people. So there was deep Jewishness up in these things. In fact, Jesus tells in two of these moments in Matthew and Mark, he says, Women, if you're pregnant, pray that Christ does not return when you're pregnant because it's going to be hard for you that day. Or pray that you, it doesn't happen on the Sabbath day because there's like travel restrictions. Or pray it doesn't happen in the winter because that's when the rivers flood and it becomes hard to. So it, it's kind of, I thought that was really weird. It says, you know, you can't just pray to escape these things. I mean, you know, he's really, again, pointing to pray that, that you may be saved. Uh, pray that you may be saved. And those were, but those things were very Jewish in nature. But then I read Luke's version and Luke's was a little, I thought it was more appropriate for us because Luke wrote his to non-Jews. And so he, he gives, he takes away all of those Jewish things and leaves the things that a non-Jew would focus on. And that's what we're going to do today. So let's look at Luke 21 and it's just five verses. Luke 21, 34 through 38. We're going to read the whole thing together. So Luke 21, all right, this is where the widow's gift happens at the beginning, the destruction of the temple, signs of the age, the new Jerusalem, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, he prophesied, which happened in 70 AD, about 40 so years later after that, the coming of the Son of Man, so Jesus' return, the parable of a tree, and so same thing, it's like, hey, when you look at a fig tree and you know certain things, you know it's summer, it's like here in Florida, if you know that the leaves are turning brown, you know fall is coming, right? When you feel it in the air. It's little things like that. He's trying to be obvious. And so, you know, when you see certain things happening, it should be confirmation that you know this is real. And so pay attention, pay attention. And now he goes into this in verse 34. Let's read the need 
for watchfulness is how mine is titled up. And so the title of today's sermon is talking about, because I did one earlier this year called Persevering in Prayer, like how to persevere in prayer. This is now persevering through prayer. Look what Jesus says. Be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day, which is the day that Jesus will return, it will come on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth. But be alert at all times. And here's the phrase. Look what he says. Praying that you may have strength to escape. Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And then during the day, he finished. And then during the day, Jesus, um, he was teaching in the temple. But in the evening, he would go out and spend the night on what is called the Mount of Olives. Now, what's interesting about this moment, guys, is we just read a very important habit that Jesus had the final week of his life. Because where are we right now? We're in Jerusalem. Why are we in Jerusalem? Because Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem, triumphal entry, and he is about to die on the cross in a few days from when he spoke those words. Okay? The, the, the lesson with the widow, that was considered the last object lesson as on their way out. Because from here, straight into the Lord's Supper, their Passover time. And so... They begin to plot Jesus at this moment. But right there, you just read his habit, what he did, his final days, leading up to um, the day that he was going to die on the cross. And so, guys, obviously, when I talked about all this stuff, what's the big problem here? What's the big problem? You're left with more questions than answers, right? I was like, we read this and we look at these and like, but we still don't know when, right? I mean, I I don't know about you, but I've gotten really, you know, me and Alicia have gotten really big about planning. I was like, all right, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? Really on top of our stuff, right? It it creates a little bit of anxiety when it says, when are you coming over? I don't know, later. When's later? Okay, you know, I was like, and some people at six, it's like, you're lying. You're not, it's, it's not six. Tell me when you're showing up. Just, I'd rather you be honest with me. Okay, don't tell me six and show up at nine. All right, and so, you know, I don't know, little things like that. Some of you, you know who you are. And so, um, and so those things, right, knowing, not knowing when can create a little bit of anxiety. And so what do people do? What do we do? We spend a lot of time, and there's very, you know, theologians and smart people and all these other people, we spend a lot of time, right, reading books and consuming because we just want to know what, when, when is it? Is, is Putin the Antichrist or Biden or Trump? Okay, which one is it today, right? And, and, and what about this? And we look at the news. Could, could it be this? Could we, we're all consumed with knowing the when. But the problem is, is that those are all speculations. And if you think about it, there's moments in which Jesus was very specific, but he is not all the way because he himself said it is not for you to know the day nor the time. Have you ever thought about why? Why? Jesus said, and he also said, I choose, it is not not for you to know, not even the Son of Man to know. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily Jesus doesn't know when he's showing up, because that could be a little weird, because only the Father knows. It's the Father's one who's going to declare. But Jesus says, it's not me to make known. Like, I'm not the one who's going to, it is the Father who's going to make known when I'm showing up again. In the same way the father sent the son, father's going to send him a second time, you know, a second time. All right. And so, but with this, it's hard for us. Okay. What do we do with all of this? And, and it's so easy, but the speculations guys can be one thing, which are good and we should learn about. But at the end, what does Jesus do here? 
Don't let's not get so caught up in in end times ideas and theories that we lose the very specific thing that Jesus said. He was very clear on do this. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is not for you to know. You know what? If it was if it was me and I and I knew, I think people God knows if people knew when Jesus was showing up, we would have some very ambitious people to say, oh, Jesus, we can do that and cut some time. You know, you, you don't have to wait 500 years. You know, we can get that going and we can get you all ready to go in the next five months. Tell me you don't know some type A people who would like to hurry that along. You don't think they can help Jesus at that point. Others would be like, oh, you're coming for a long time. So you know what? I'm going to do me. I don't care. I was like, you know, I, I got time. I got time on that. Some people would be very lazy. Some people might be discouraged. Oh, no. <laughs> like, you know, some people might be like that, and they'd be like, really? Why? Oh, my gosh. And so, so Jesus doesn't give us that. Instead, he gives us a look, focus. This is all I want you to do, he says. Focus on this. And that speaks a lot because he knows what he's doing. He'll handle it when he wants to. But what are we supposed to do? He said two things. What did he say? Be on guard and be alert. Those are two things. And so we have to be cautious because why does Jesus say that? Is because maybe in our consumption, in our, in our focus on the speculations, he just knew people are going to be complacent in their sin and while we're waiting or we're going to try to figure everything out. All right. That could be very problematic. So what does he tell us to do? Two things. Be on guard and be alert. That first thing he said, look, be on guard so that. And he gives a very specific thing. What does it mean to be on guard? Be on your guard. So that your mind is not dulled. Already there, I thought that was interesting. And so, what are we to guard at that moment then? Our minds and our hearts. Because what you begin to, what you begin to know, you're eventually going to believe. You don't believe something you don't know. Okay? So, you have to guard your mind. Guard your mind. Be on guard. Guard your mind. From, th- from what? And he says, so that your mind is not dulled, lulled to sleep. By carousing and drunkenness and and the worries of life. And so really, it's just distracted. He says, I don't want you, I don't want your mind to be so full of nonsense or lies or silliness in that your mind is not sharp sharp anymore, but rather it is diluted. It is, it is under a different influence. All right. I mean, same thing. Look, I mean, there's there is, uh, you know, you got a uh, food drunk. You ever read food? Some of y'all Thanksgiving, you know, what food drunk is right. You just eat so much. You're just like, oh, like you're, you're, you're shutting down. Right. You, you feel it. Like everyone's like packing up and it's like, oh, we got to go. All right. This is, you know, and you just feel your body like shutting down for a moment. Right. Some of you might know the other drunk. All right. But it's all the different stuff. Right. When you're under the influence of something, some of you love, you know, you're so high on, you're so in love with someone that you're just. You're not thinking clearly. Some of us have been there. You know those people, right? Think about that. Look at how we def- look how so many random things affect us, affect our minds, and affect the way that we think and see and perceive. So here he says, you got to be on guard. Protect the things that you are believing and learning and knowing, so that you're not not again that your mind is not dulled from carousing drunkenness and worries of life. And I, I bring this up because Jesus one time says, in the end. The end of the end, he says, even the elect, even Christians, even they will be deceived. Some Christians will be deceived and their hearts will grow, the lo- their hearts will grow cold and the love of many will grow cold. Why would a Christian, how could a Christian's heart, how can their heart grow cold? When their heart, though when their mind becomes dulled. And so when you begin to have a dulled mind, eventually you'll have a cold heart. 
And so what have we been focusing on, like by accident, really, but we've stumbled upon this whole year, this, the, where this flow for some of us who've been here is being filled to overflow, right? We constantly be filled with the love of God and who he is and growing in the knowledge of God because that is the only way that we can be alert. Notice that he says, be on guard and then be alert, right? And so they go both go hand in hand. Being on guard is we are guarding what is filling our hearts so that we can be alert, sharp, not dulled, but sharp, recognizing moments on, on how to talk, when to talk, how to be able to serve and love others. This is important. How can we perceive the things of this world and not let it overwhelm us or discourage us, distract us, or deceive us from false believers or false teachings and false this and false movements? You, can't, you will be a sucker for everything if your mind has been dulled. And you've bought into a lie. And so Jesus is saying, this is what every Christian from then till today, until whenever, guys, this is part of the deal. Guard. Listen, I mean, some of you, I mean, you know, some of you, I hope you do. I hope you guard your relationships. You know, it's not always easy. There's, there's learning curves in that. But aren't you supposed to, there's a, there's a way of guarding yourself, guarding your heart, your mind from problematic uh, habits or people or different things like that. There's, there's a way to protect and to be, to notice the effects of things on you. That's not selfish and said, no, you, you want to be the best you to be able to be, you know, to help others. And so that's an important thing. And so the being on guard is something we must do. And then notice he then says, be alert, praying at all times. And so there's this now connection between, notice, a dulled mind is not a prayerful mind. A dulled mind is a worried mind. You see that? Because he says a dulled mind, drunken and worries of life. A, a dulled mind is worried. But a, an alert one is prayerful. And so we've been talking about praying and praying. And what is the importance of prayer? What's the whole point of prayer for some of you that have forgotten? And for those that you have not, then you're not going to forget the more I repeat it. The whole point of prayer is all about dependence. It's growing on dependence towards God. The reason why we pray for everything is because we need God. Notice here he says pray for strength. Why? Because you can't do this on your own. To pray for strength is to pray for God's grace. It is not for you to do it. Lord, Jesus you know, you return, like do, do what you need to do and help us play whatever part that, that, that matters. But guys, this part matters here is that we, to be alert is to be aware, to be aware of what? Your weaknesses, your inabilities, to be alert in that you need to depend on Christ. And that is not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing if someone says, you know, oh, well, just religion is your crutch. I'm like saying, oh, you're getting it finally. You know, you're getting it. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing because every other crutch is, does not hold. It is only the cross that can hold. That's enough. And so here he's saying you got to be alert on top of it, sharp, you know, aware of what's happening, aware of what's going on. You know, uh, some of you guys have alarms at your house, all right? You guys have alarm clocks, right? Why do you have an alarm clock? It's to Make sure you wake up when you're supposed to, right? And so that's what alarm clocks are supposed to keep you aware of the time. Well, the same thing, God's word is, is an alarm clock for our hearts and our minds. And the same way, maybe when you go to bed at night, right, you put your alarm on or you, you have your system up, you lock your doors. Why? You know, you got your dog, you got your sign, right, or whatever you do, right? Why do you do that? Because you know, I'm going to bed now. I am helpless. I'm putting my trust now in the system 
right? And that someone will help alert me when there's a problem. Well, guys, how can we be alert? Like this right here. We need to trust in him and who he is. So we, and then in each other, guys, in those relationships. So when I see or when you see something in someone, it's like, hey, 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 what you doing? What, you know, hey, how you feeling? I see that, you know, this person maybe is processing something and they can't, they need help or encouragement. That's an important thing. So to be alert, aware is very important. He says to escape these things. All right. Now, already when you think, when Jesus says these things, what do you mean these things? I don't know. I mean, I think the whole, the whole context, right? To escape the what? The fact that, hey, when Christ returns, you're not going to see it coming, which is weird. It's like, we all know it's going to happen, but we don't know when, right? It's just going to, it's going to be the ultimate jump scare, all right? Literally, Jesus returning is going to be the ultimate jump scare. And so uh, here, when he says, be alert so that you may escape these things, he wants us to escape the general thing of that when you, that you are not taken, but that you are left and that you, can, that you can enter into the home with Christ and so that you may escape the wrath to come, that you may escape that, that kind of judgment. But the other thing is right here, that Christian, he's, I think there's two because he's talking to the Christian here to be, that you may escape what? That you may escape what? It's not that, well, so you escape the wrath of like the, the judgment, the great tribulation, because, you know, maybe God's going to take the best behaved Christians up and he's going to leave the other ones, you know, and you're going to learn really good. You know, you guys are going to learn for real, huh? because you didn't hard-headed people. You got to learn the hard way. Toma, hey, do this. And so I don't think so. You know, is Jesus going to take some of us, not all of us, and the best of one of us? And to escape what? To escape being those elect that will be deceived and our hearts grow cold. To be that, so you may escape being not deceived, that you may escape the deception that's going to come, that you may escape the discouragement, that you may escape the distractions. I told, I, I teach, um, I, I still teach uh, during the week, and I, I was telling my boys this the other day, I think uh, a growing temptation, a growing thing, a growing threat to, I would say, even a Christian, forget, all right, if you were going to say threats, what would you think? Maybe political, ideological, you know, what else you may say? You know, the, the classic, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, right? The, you know, those things. You know, it's one that I don't know if y'all have been thinking about that, honestly, you should be very aware of. Entertainment. It's just going to get easier and easier to be entertained. It's going to be, and you guys have known it. All right, when have you started swiping? You know, right? you started going just the endless, mind-numbing swipe. And you go and you're in TikTok, right? And it's, you wake up, you're there. It's a Monday morning, you wake up, realize it's now Tuesday. You know, it's like one of those. And like, wait, oh my gosh, like where'd the time go? You, you thought it was maybe 15 minutes. You've been doing that for two hours. Entertainment is, can rob your time faster than almost anything else. So I'm not saying don't do it. What am I telling you to do? Be alert. Be careful. All right? Some of us are, ah, oh, don't drink this, don't eat that, don't, okay, cool. Careful how you swipe. All right? Careful how you swipe because you can be doing an okay thing and you're just swiping, wasting time, wasting time, wasting time. So you need to be very, 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 very careful. Be alert so we may escape these things because these are the very things, Christian, that will, this will, you would lose your reward on these things, not your salvation, your reward. But, and I thought it was cool in that how Luke adds this one little moment. It almost kind of, 
I mean, it's, it's nice transition into the plot to kill Jesus when he's going to go into. But after Jesus says, be on guard, be alert, what does he do? Can we put up verse 37 again? And then note, look, what, look what Luke highlights. During the day, Jesus was teaching in the temple. But in the evening, he would go out and spend, uh, spend the night on what is called the Mount of Olives. Then all the people would come early in the morning, next verse, to hear him in the temple. And so a little, almost kind of sounds like a throwaway sentence. Like he's wrapping up this conversation and now entering into this, the plot to kill Jesus. But guys, don't ignore that little verse. Because in that verse, in verse 37, Jesus gives us a pattern. We just saw Jesus' pattern on how he lived his final days on earth as a, you know, what was final days on earth before dying on the cross? That should be our pattern as well. What does it look like to be alert and to be, uh, what was it? What does it look like to be on guard and be alert? Well, look what he did. During the day, he was teaching in the temple, and in the evening, he would go out and spend the night. So, how can we guard our hearts? By continually allowing Christ to teach us. And how can we be alert? By again, resting in who he is. When Jesus would go, he would work all day and then go to the Mount of Olives to relax, unwind. All right? Even Jesus would need that. He would sometimes take a nap. He would sometimes go and pray, as he often would, by alone. <clears throat> Other times, he would just go hang out with the apostles and debrief and, uh, you know, just kind of, man, what a day that was. Let's talk about that, right? How you doing? How you doing? And so, guys, and that's our habit as well. Every, during the day, we live for Christ. And then finding those moments when we can rest in him. We work through him. We rest in him, that's a pattern that we're supposed to do. But for, for the Christian guys, if you got I want to imagine what Christ is calling all of us to do. It's a very similar thing that, that nations have done since, I don't know how long, but probably since the beginning, with uh, certain wars and how they handle certain things. Guys, um, Israel has been doing it with Hamas. The United States have done it with different people. Uh, every, during World War I, World War II, all of them, and even in ancient history. Have you guys ever heard of the practice in which the one conquering nation was like, hey, we, we're about to go attack this city. And so what do they do? They send notices to the city, to the innocent people to say, hey, all right, just so you know, we're showing up. Just so you know, we're coming and we're bringing it. But we're giving you a warning so you can get out of the way, right, to the innocent, to those like choose a side. If you, if you choose us, we'll take care of you. We'll be, you'll be okay. You'll, you'll, but just get out because we're about to bring it to, to deal with our enemies. Have you heard of people doing that, right? And I think that's just, I mean, to me, I think that's crazy. Talk about just the confidence level, boss level notice. When you're like, hey, we're going to show up on this day at this time. I always thought that was really stupid. I'm like, you're telling them when you're going to attack. And then why would you do that? And then the audacity, we're going to attack on that day. And I know you know where we're coming and we're going to show up anyways. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's whew, like, that's, that's, that's intense to think about. But have you ever considered, Christian, why are we still here? Jesus is telling his disciples the same we should do. Because we are in enemy, we're behind enemy lines right now. Christ is saying, I'm showing up. I'm coming. And Christian, you are the messenger to tell people to evacuate. To say, listen, trust in Christ and you'll be saved. In the same way that kings have done this since forever. Well, the king of kings is no different. And he is being gracious and kind to be able to send us 
To be able to go and to warn and to encourage him and say, no, look to Jesus. This is what we are called to do, to continue to grow and to know and to make known. And so there's, there's one line that I want to show with you guys today because I thought it was really interesting in the point of being alert and being on guard in the end times. What does Jesus tell us to do? Pray. Pray specifically for strength. And so um, I wanted to, if you guys are taking notes, I want you to write this down. It says this, we, we preserve the faith when we persevere in prayer, in the faithful word, okay? We preserve our faith when we persevere in prayer, in the faithful word. Guys, prayer is so slept on because it seems so easy. But guys, if there was anything for us to see this, this year, it's how essential it is. To pray, it is more than just to ask God for what and to progress, you know, to Bless food. It is beyond that. It is bigger than that. Every time you pray, it is a reminder to depend on him. But notice we're not just praying according to anything, how you feel. No, Christ said it's according to his word. The Lord's prayer is nothing but a prayer of dependence, right? God, you are holy. I am not, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. Lord, it is, may your word, you know, and then forgive me and deliver me so that I can be a part of this. And so guys, this is how. You want to preserve your faith? You know, do you want to be those? Do you want to be those that Christ said the statistic that your heart will grow cold? If Jesus said it will, and it will if you do what he says not to do. But how can you rest assured that you, pers- that you preserve your faith, that it doesn't get dulled? You continue to pray in faith according to the faithful word guys because it is some it does something to you when you pray according to the word when you pray in faith trusting in who god is it preserves your faith look are, are you team uh team fake tree or team real tree real quick christmas trees team, team real team fake fake real fake all right now if you got a real one what do you got to do with the real one you got to water it. Why? It's going to dry out, right? It's maintenance. It's just common sense, right? And so if you don't water the tree, it will dry. If you don't water your heart with this living water, it will go dry and dull. There is no, do you see the difference? Like you can't preserve your faith yourself. No, you do something that affects you. How many of you have taken medicine? You had a headache, you had this, you had that. Did you do something to yourself to make the pain go away? No, you took medicine that once you took it, it activated something in you and it took your pain away. But what did you do? You had to receive it. You couldn't just stare at the bottle, right? You couldn't just shake it. You couldn't even just put it next to you. If you got a headache, you can't take a towel on, just put it on the top. You got to consume it. You got to believe it. And that's what it does when we consume this. Not just, okay, I know it, but what I believe. It is, it, 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 the word does and activates something in you that it fuels your faith, it, pre, it, pre, it preserves your faith. As listen, you guys are all, you know one thing I know about all of you today? You're going to make sure you're going to eat today, all right? Yes or no? All right? And if you couldn't afford it, you're going to try, right? But you're going to eat today. You're going to prioritize eating today. Some of you made sure you already did. All right? All right? Got to have breakfast. And so some of you know, some of you know you're going to make sure to eat today. Why? Because when you eat, what does the food do to you? A whole lot. Some good, some, some not so good, right? And so some not so good effects. The food you eat. Well, guys, it's no difference. This is living bread. 
This is the bread of life that once we eat it, it produces life in us. It produces life in us. And to give you one last analogy, you know, it's uh, um, salt. Didn't Christ, Jesus tells his disciples, you are the salt of the earth, right? You are the light of the world. But he said, you are the light of the world. But Jesus said, because I am the light of the world. If we are the salt of the earth, then what makes us salty? Christ. He is the salt of the earth. Now, we don't want to be like if, you know, if someone, if someone describes you as salty today, that's, that's an insult, just so you know, okay? What is a salty person, you know? Someone who's salty is what? Bitter, foul-mouthed, right? It's all negative, right? I mean, you can come up with a lot of things. Yo, she's so salty, right? And so, but Christian, Jesus says, you got to be salty. What's the point of salt if you ain't salty? But what does salt do? What, do, no, what does salt do? What does salt do, right? It does a lot of things, right? And oh, salt gives flavor. Oh, you know, we, we give flavor to the world. That sounds like cool, but what does that mean? Gosh, you know, it's like, what does that mean? And we give the salt, you know, we give the world flavor. All right? I mean, but you think about what is flavor, but effect, right? Yesterday I was trying to make, I was following a recipe and I was trying some beans and I'm like, something's missing. Something's missing. Alicia goes, just add more salt. I was like, <laughs> I was like, there it is. Because you know what salt does? Like salt enhances. Salt enhances. But how do we add flavor to the world? We just make it better because we're better? You know? No. We add flavor because of the, it's life. Like we enhance this world because of the life. Guys, I'm telling you now, point to anything and like, they're unlike anything else. Unlike anything else. This, what has been produced, the people that Christ has put in, that this has affected, has transformed the world to an extreme that it, it is undeniable. We enhance this world. It enhances any good, positive trait, this, that. I mean, find it. We can find a root, man. It started with, some, it started with a prayerful, faithful believer. I mean, uh, so many different ways. We are to enhance this world, but we don't just make the world better for the, making, for the sake of making better. How do we enhance this world? By making Christ known. Because if we're salty, then they got to taste the salt. They got, you feel me on that? Like, and that's the thing too. You want to read this? You know how to not to read this? If you treat the Bible like sugar. You treat this like sugar? What happens when you eat too much sugar? Diabetes, right? And there's a bunch of other nonsense. Your body can't process that. When you read the Bible like sugar, you're going to have dulled heart and mind and a cold mind. You only read the things, ooh, I like this, I like this, I like this. I, I don't know what that means. I'm going to make it this now. All right? That's, that's reading this like sugar. This is supposed to be a salt shaker. This is salt. This is salt. God's word should be salty. God's word should be salty. If it's not salty, if it's all sweet, something's not right. It got to be salty. It has to, like what I say, is it's, it's the bread that bites you back. If it's not biting you back, you ain't reading it right. You got to go back and read it again. <laughs> so, so there's these little elements there. I mean, even today, when we just talked about Christ said, it, it's very easy for your hearts to grow dull. Well, guys, that's affecting all of us, I'm sure. If you haven't been convicted, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do waste a lot of time here. I do. Well, yes, that's all of us. But that's why this is, today is a reminder to be alert that this should be salty. We should guard our hearts and minds from what we're consuming, but also to make sure that we're consuming what needs to be consumed, that we're looking to Christ and growing in our understanding and knowledge of who he is so that we can be alert, praying to es- the strength to escape. What is the strength? Lord, Deliver me. What, how does Jesus end? The Lord's Prayer. Forgive me of my sins. 
as I forgive others, and deliver me from evil. Praying, I pray that you may have strength to escape. What is, I'm remixing that. Jesus saying, pray that God may deliver you, to give you the strength to deliver you from the deception, distraction, discouragement, any which way that can pull you away from me, me and Christ. Notice, guys, we're not, we're not strong enough, guys. We are too weak. We are too weak, and we are too easily entertained, and we are too um, easily satisfied. And, we, and we, even when we pray, Lord, give me strength. I, even that's a, a weak prayer. Uh, I've said this to you guys many times. It's like, when we, if you're a believer and you say, Lord, give me strength, um, remix that prayer. I know what you mean, but think about what you're saying. Because when you're saying, give me prayer, it means you don't have it. But if you're a believer, do you not have the Almighty Spirit that lives inside of you? And so it should not be, Lord, give me strength. It's, Lord, be my strength. Again, dependent. I'm, Lord, tr- I trust you. Be, help be for me what I cannot be. Be strong in my weakness. Because if not, guys, none of us, not, not, each and every one of us uh, can, can fall to that. And so... If there was, I think there was uh, one, uh, one Bible verse. So yeah, I have one other Bible verse I want to read to you guys. But just to kind of, as we're wrapping up, you know, I know for me and my family, you know, we, I, eagerly, I eagerly wait for the day after Thanksgiving because that's like a national holiday for us, a family holiday. We kick off Christmas. It's a big deal for us. Um, you know, we're eagerly awaiting um, going to our favorite thing that we do, which is, uh, you know, camping at, at the fort. We always, uh, we look forward to that all the time. And then there's Christmas, right? I don't know about you. Some of you may be eagerly awaiting. Remember as a kid? For you guys, were you guys like that? Like, did you guys ever peek inside the, the gifts and some? You know, anybody was that kid? No. Listen, I was a professional. Like, I, I would blow, you know, the heat and peel that tape perfectly, peek inside and put it right back, like nothing, like I was a ninja. Okay, I was good. I was good. But listen, so, you know, as a kid, kids are eagerly awaiting for Christmas Day. Oh, we can't wait. We can't wait. Am I gonna get? Am I gonna get the toy that I was hoping for? Am I gonna? What am I gonna get this year? What am I gonna get this year? What am I gonna get? And we get excited because we know it's coming. Well, in the same way that any of us would be eager for Christmas Day, may Christian, may we eagerly await the day Christ returns. We should be await. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to, I've thanked him. I can't wait to thank him in person, face to face. Now, if some of you, if you're nervous, and like, oh, no, I can wait. <laughs> it was like, I can wait. Some of you may feel like that. If you feel like that, I can wait. That's why John, First John, he writes like saying, listen, Christian, God has not given you a spirit of fear of judgment day. He does not give you a spirit of fear of judgment day. He has given you a spirit of love and of peace. Why? To know that your judgment day is in the past. So Christian, if, if you are afraid of facing Christ that day, then good news for you. Good news because you don't. It's a lie. When you ask God to forgive you of your sins, he not only forgave your past and present sins, he forgave every future sin you would ever do. And you will have confidence the day Christ returns. You don't have to fear judgment day. Because if you believed in Christ and you asked him to forgive you of your sins, you believe he died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sins, your judgment day already happened. It's in the past. Listen, I've had tragedy happen to me. I've had accidents happen to me. I'm not worried about that happening because it already happened. It's in the past. I'm not scared of that day. It happened. There's times that I almost died, but I'm not scared of those days. Why? Because I'm still here. 
Christian, you don't have to fear that day because your day is in the past. The day is a glorious day. And for some of you, if you're still online, if you're watching later, you're like, no, I, I, I can wait. I don't know if I'm ready. Then I would not wait any longer. I would trust in Jesus today. Why wait another day? When you don't know what day, you know, we don't know how much we have left, trust in him today. Because when you do, here's the beauty of this. Is that this other thing, if you're taking notes again, the last thing it says, you will, will because Christ said you would, you will have the confidence to stand before Christ one day when, you, when we confide in Christ and his word every single day. What did Jesus say in that verse? He says, be alert, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that you are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. So let me read that part again. It's like, listen, you will have confidence. You will have confidence to stand before Christ one day when you confide in Christ and in his word every single day. That doesn't mean that you lose your salvation if you don't. If you miss a day, you're like, oh, no, you know, this doesn't worry about that. Some of you have done Bible plans, and you're like, all right, this is going to be the year. And then you look at the Bible plan, you're 47 days deep, and you know, I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do now, you know? And so you don't have to, that's, I'm not, I don't want to put that level of anxiety, this is what I have to do, this is what I have to know you, this is what we ought to do. So we should do, again, the importance of the person, when we persevere in faith, it preserves our faith, and we will have confidence when we stand before Christ. Only because we confided in Him and in His Word. And if I can end with a word, let's end with the final chapter. If we're talking about the end of all things, let's look at the ending chapter of the Bible in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Here, Jesus. I'm just going to read it to you, so don't worry if you don't have it. But can, can you put the, the, the slide up that says you will have the confidence? I want you to read this as you see this. Then he, John is saying, he showed me this river of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the city's main street, the street, the tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. And his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not, will not need the, the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And then he, Jesus, said to me, quote, These words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. For look... I'm coming soon with an exclamation point. Oh, to be able to hear Christ's exclamation point. Look, I'm coming back. I'm coming soon. Like I will. Because I am. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecies of this book. Do you see what I just said earlier? Not just the book of Revelation, but his spoken word. Blessed is the one who keeps this. What does it mean, blessed? Hey, life is going to go great for you. Hey, blessed. You know, you're always going to be happy, wealthy, and you know, all rainbows and sunshine all the time. Is that what it means? Blessed if you keep it. Oh, you will be blessed because you will get to 
Stand before Christ. He, you will be blessed because the word that you keep is keeping you. The word that you keep is keeping you. It's not you, it is Christ in you. The word that you keep is keeping you. And there is going to come a time in which when he does return, and we will see him. Notice what did he say? You will have confidence when you stand. Guys, the only reason why any one of us, including me, the only reason why any one of us will be able to stand before Christ one day is because he stood in our place on the cross one day. That's it. He stood in our place. He stood in our place. We sang it today. He died on our cross, was buried in our tomb. He stood in our place. And because of that, he made it possible for us to be able to stand in front of him one day. But those who will stand, Christ said, those whom humble themselves, I will exalt. I will stand up. I don't know how much long, I don't know how long I'm going to stand standing. I ain't going to lie. Because if you, if for those that will stand before Christ, it's because we were first on our knees. Those who will stand before the Lord are those going to be who first kneeled before him in faith on this side of heaven. But I don't know if he's going to stand me up. I don't know how much long I'm going to hit my face right again. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to stand, to be able to withstand his piercing eyes and his love. And you know what? I don't know. I'll let that play out when it does. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know. But all I do know is that if I don't keep his word, if I don't stand on guard and become alert, not that I won't see that face, but he deserves more. He deserves our best. He deserves our best. I I read earlier, someone quoted, um, Christ died publicly for you. Why should we live privately for him? He died publicly. He stood in our place. And one day we will get to stand. And so today, what should we do? His word over and over again. Paul would say and so many others, stand what? Here. Stand on Christ's word and we will get to stand before him. And for especially those of you with, again, shaky legs, and you don't know how much more you can take, well, again, let Christ be strong in your weakness. If you found you've, you've been deceived and you've been distracted, well, stand on Christ. Trust in him. And he will have the effect. He will do what only he can do. And if you don't know Christ, there is no way to stand. It says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to happen one way or another. And I pray it happens now. And that's the beauty of this, guys, is that you're not, you're not just running from something. You are running to someone. It's both. You are running from something. You should run from something. But you are running to someone. And all you do is if you put your faith in Christ, he will make you faithful because he is. Notice he says, these words of mine are faithful. It's going to happen. It's gonna, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Because this is who he is. This is who he is. He is faithful and true. And so we should spend however many days we have left on this earth. We should spend every single day knowing, grateful, 
that one day when it's all said and done, we will get to stand before him because he stood in our place. Now you trust in Christ and you'll be able to experience that too, both today and that one day.